This is episode 25 of the Home and Family Culture Podcast. I'm Jody Chafee. In this episode, I interviewed Blaine and Audrey Ridlisbacher of AdoreYourSpouse.com. Welcome to the Home and Family Culture Podcast, where I discuss how families can discover and design their collective vision, values, beliefs, and traditions that influence their family culture. The purpose of my podcast is to interview experts who can offer tips and tools to aid families in the process of developing their family culture, and also successful individuals whose success was influenced by their family culture. For more information or to subscribe, go to homeandfamilyculture.com, or you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Family Culture Podcast, and on Twitter at underscore Family Culture. You can tune in on my site or on the variety of podcast broadcasting apps like iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and even on YouTube. Just search Home and Family Culture with the ampersand between home and family culture. Please remember to like, comment, share, and rate on whatever medium you choose. I would love to hear from you. When traditional marriage therapy failed them, Blaine and Audrey Ridlisbacher became intensely passionate about finding the answers to what makes successful marriages work. Their commitment to finding the answers has driven them to make significant time and financial sacrifices in order to send Blaine through both a difficult and lengthy liberal arts bachelor's program and an intensive marriage and family therapy master's degree program at Liberty University while raising and providing for six children. In addition to his degree programs, Blaine has spent hundreds of hours reading every marriage and relationship book he could find. Through his study and experiences in his own marriage, Blaine discovered the greatest secret to obtaining and maintaining a fulfilling marriage, the 12 principles of happy marriages. As he used these principles in his couple's coaching practice, he has been overjoyed to watch these principles work miracles in the lives of the husbands and wives who apply them. In an effort to make these principles available to couples everywhere, Blaine and Audrey have worked together to found Adore Your Spouse, where couples can learn more about the 12 principles, take the free marriage assessment, watch free weekly tip videos, sign up for a free online class, and get involved in other programs that will strengthen their marriage. Find these free marriage tools and more at adoreyourspouse.com. Awesome. Welcome, Blaine and Audrey. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having us. I'm so excited to have you on. I, I have to say that when I first I first heard of you guys because well I heard of Audrey because I watched the Hekua presentation that you did, and my first impression was just like wow what a beautiful person and she has an incredible mind. I was like this person is my hero because <laughs> you're so brilliant and so so smart and you've you know obviously very well read, and so I was just like. I really want to learn more about this person and, and what, you know, what she knows. And um, so I was very impressed by, um, by your message and your presentation. So I'm excited that, that uh, you and Blaine have been, able, have been able to come together and now come up with these, these tools that for, for strengthening marriage. And marriage is such an, an important part of our family culture, as we know, of course. <laughs> and... Um, and so I am excited to to learn more and talk about these twelve principles that you guys have 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 
come up with about strengthening marriage. And so um, I'd really like to to dive into them and get started talking about those principles. And I have to say, I went on and I took the, the marriage assessment. And so that's really cool. <laughs> you have a great marriage. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm, that's something that I'm very thankful for because I've definitely not had a perfect life, but I have definitely had a very supportive husband. And um, that's something that because of my marriage, I know that the other things that I endure or experience are really have a, have more of a solid foundation just because that at least that's one thing that I, (laughs) I don't have to struggle with and that I haven't had to, it's been a great blessing and, and, and to have somebody who's so supportive and kind. And, and so I can attest to the importance of having a wonderful marriage that, and, you know, that was something that when I started this podcast was an important part of the message because I'd gone on my mission as a, as a missionary for the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I had an experience there that really woke me up to this concept of family culture because I met a couple who were very unhappy and because they came from two different um, cultural backgrounds. And so I went and I talked to a senior elder um, who was a, you know, senior missionary and he was in an inter- intercultural marriage. And I said, how do you make that work? And he, and he talked about that you adapt and make your own culture and you kind of forget about the past in a way. And so I would love to hear your thoughts about that maybe as we go along. But anyways, so it just, it just brought up for me that it is important as a couple to have an agreement about what your vision is for your family and um, what your goals are, what your aspirations are, and, and to be able to, to talk them out and communicate and, and have a good relationship. Yes, so, absolutely. <laughs> so I would, so like I said, I'd love to dive right in to these 12 principles that you're talking about, that, uh, that you've designed and talk about how they strengthen our family culture. Okay. Well, I think the first place I'd like to start is you mentioned that you were so grateful for your good marriage as we are very grateful for our good marriage, but our marriage wasn't good at one point. And there's a little bit of mystery sometimes kind of like you get the luck of the draw, you know, you just happen to marry the right person and it all worked out well, or it didn't work out well. And what these principles do is they kind of take that mystery out of it. Um, So I ask people all the time, regularly, if you want to get fit, what do you have to do? What would you say, Jody? You got to go to the or you don't have to go to the gym, but you got to get exercise. You got to get moving. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone says that. Why does everyone say the exact same answer? Let's say that exercise, and then and then everyone also says. What's well, what's something else you would say, Jody? To get fit, well, to eat well, and they get rest. Get rest. <laughs> yeah. You know, those are all it part of these goes back to the same things, no matter who I ask. And why does everyone say the exact same thing? It's all common sense, right? <laughs> you got to know. But it works. Those are the answers that really work. And people sometimes say, I don't know how to lose weight. But then when you get down to it, their diet's wrong or they're not exercising. They're very sedentary and et cetera. So then we discover these principles as we try the reason that they work is because they're principles that's what yeah 
Good point. And as we that's were, really that's really as we as we define what we're calling principles, they're simply the rules about human nature. Mm. They're they're the context for if you want health or happiness or growth in any area of your life, relationships or health or career or running a business, finances, um, finances, there are common themes throughout, you know, it's kind of, I bring up this example regularly when I talk about principles. And that is that if you go to the self-help section in the bookstore and you were to go to the, um, the financial section mm. and you picked up, five books at random or, you know, five books from people that you trusted, Sue Zorman and Dave Ramsey and, you know, Kiyosaki, you pick up these books and there's common themes and those common themes, there's a lot of application in those books. There's a lot of, here's how I think you should do it. And here's how this other person does it. But the, but the underlying themes of save 10%, get out of debt, um, budget every month, those are the principles. Those are the underlying themes of what makes good, sp- solid financial sense. What's actually going to work? What's going to cause growth? What's going to cause you to succeed in an area of life are the underlying principles. And you can live them. You, just like you said, Joe, you can exercise any way you want, but you got to get moving. You yeah. know, you, you can pay off your debt any way you want. You just got to do it. And so in the case of these principles, you live them a lot ways and like you were talking building a culture in your family of how you live them but every happy marriage is dependent on them yeah that everything falls back onto these principles no matter yeah. how we adapt and them not them. happy one or more of them is being broken mm-hmm. yeah and obviously there's different degrees that they could be broken uh you know the trust could be broken minor or the trust could have major betrayal or major breaches and then it's uh, you know more gregarious but uh, but there are different levels, but for sure, as you live the principles, you live them fully, then those sore spots, those frustrations, those marriage disappears and you start to have a happy thriving marriage like we do today. So there are principles that you have to constantly revisit. You can't just, you can't just go, okay, I've got that one down and move on. It's really a, a constant that's a great point. Yes. I mean, all did you exercise when you were 20? More or less. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say you did a lot, right? Okay. I'll, I'll say I did. When I was when I was uh, 22, <laughs> I was diving for a uh, university and we worked out four hours a day. You know, and I could do a press, so I could be on my I could do a handstand and, and bend I could bend over and then I could lift my whole legs straight up on a handstand. Well, unfortunately that didn't last to today. I didn't maintain it. Therefore I lost it. Right. And fitness is something that you have to do constantly. You can't, you, if you stop, you're going to lose your health. But it's with any principle. Yes. And you don't have to do it four hours a day to live the principle of exercise and healthy. You just need to be consistent. Stop. Exactly. You can't stop making sure there's trust in your relationship. Yeah. You can't stop meeting individual needs. Well, you can't stop saving or getting out of debt if you, mm-hmm. unless you're out of debt, right? You can't stop. And whatever the principles you're living, 
you have to continue to take, you, you parent, you ch- your children, you have to be consistent. So principles <laughs> for life. If you're running a business, you have to have good systems and the systems have to run day in and day out consistently or the business will fail. There are just principles in each area of human endeavor and human life where you want to have health and happiness and wholeness and success. And it's dependent on understanding the core principles, applying them consistently and understanding that you're going to apply them for a lifetime. But with that said, Jody, it becomes easier because they become a way of life. I remember when Audrey would want to have a talk and I'm like, oh, you know, (laughs) you know, when you wake up in the morning and you look over, you're like, oh, no, not that look. And you're like, well, I didn't do anything last night. Did I? No, I don't think I did. Did I do anything yesterday? I don't think I did. And so you find out. And then she brings this thing up for like three months ago, you know, but it's been a continuous thing and you're freaking out. And I lost my train of thought because I got on, I got carried away with this. <laughs> it gets easier. You say it gets easier. Yeah. Just like now, all those things. It gets easier to save. It gets easier to yes. work out. It gets easier to have these discussions with your spouse. Yeah. And now when she has that look, I say, hey, let's do it. There's something obviously bugging you. And I'm really, I'm excited about it because I know that when I attack it that way, I'll listen to her and, and I know how to empathize now and how to how to let her know I heard her things like that, then she feels amazing and and it's cleared up within, I don't know, 20 minutes, an hour or whatever it might be, yeah. rather than I'm getting mad and blowing up and leaving the room and it kind of just gets exasperated and doesn't, doesn't clear the air. So then you would say that these principles are, are something you can be, you have to be consistent at and it's also a skill that you develop. Yes, yes, yes. Because the better, the more you do, the more you do anything, the better you understand it. You know, if you really become a saver and you become really good at setting aside that money, eventually you're going to ask yourself, well, what, what can I do now with all this extra savings? I have more savings than I need. What am I going to do now? And you, you take that savings to the next level and you begin to invest. And of course your finances improve and improve and improve over time. I'm better at that Mm -hmm. skill. And I like that, taking it to the next level, because yeah. it's like, you know, I, I say that my marriage is awesome, but at the same time, like, I know that we have room for growth and, and there are probably areas of things that I just, I don't even know exist yet because we don't know all of the steps and all the principles that can really strengthen our marriage. I think that it's the same thing with people who are only just beginning to save their money, don't understand investing. And yeah. so it's something that as you make the progress, you, you develop the skills, then you can then take those things on to the next level. And yeah. then, you know, you hear stories about people who've been married for 30 years, 40 years, and it's like, my marriage is better than it's ever been. And you're like, really? Because I, you know, <laughs> I can't even imagine. But, but then you're always learning. You're always developing those new skills. Yeah, That's cool. for sure. It's interesting that you would say that too, because Um, you know, I don't, I don't do any of the coaching. Blaine does that, but he'll relate, you know, instances to me and and things like that. And and what we're noticing, um, we, we developed a a program that he uses in his coaching practice and it's a three-step process. We call it the the three steps of a happy marriage. And, Mm -hmm. um, and it began when, when he come in, whose relationships are very broken, you know, they're on the verge of divorce. Things are, are really going badly. He, um, he starts them on them. The first step is to work on themselves. Mm-hmm. There are things in their personal, spiritual, emotional life that are out of order enough. Or physical. 
or physical life or spiritual life that are out of order enough that it's causing really great damage to the marriage. And the marriage can't begin to heal as a whole until each of its component parts are in a better place. And so he works with them as individuals and helps them meet their own needs and work through their own resentments and work on their own um, self-discovery and and those, those things that will make them a stronger, better person learning, learning to put some healthier boundaries in place and to use better communication skills. And then the couple can work together from a better, higher, happier, happier, uh, stronger place. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another thing that I that thought of is what happened talked about taking it to a, a, a higher level, right? Mm-hmm. You start saving and then eventually invest. Well, what happens to the person that saves is their confidence begins to increase. The more mm-hmm. savings they have, the more confidence they have. And after a while, they start believing that, boy, I'm financially successful. You know, I've got a month worth of income in the bank. I've got three months. I've got, I know some people with years in the bank and they have incredible confidence in their finances. And then they can start investing and say, Hey, if I can do that, I can do this. And so their belief that they will be very financially successful is there. And that's, that's, if you go into investing or anything without any belief, right, you're in trouble. Well, it happens with the marriage too. As you start living the principles your confidence goes up because like I mentioned before, when my wife gives me the look or whatever, right. Wants to have that talk that I do, you know, men don't want to have that talk. My confidence is up a lot because I know I had previous experiences where we had that talk and it turned out like, that's all that that's over. It's done. And, and it went really well. Oh my gosh, let's do it again. <laughs> well, I'm not quite that excited, but you know what I mean? And then, so when it does come up, I have that confidence and the ability to do that. Um, when Audrey gets worn out, meaning like she's just kind of uh, hasn't been meeting her needs well or something like that. I was like, guys, I know exactly what to do. And I'll say, and I say, guys, I'm like, kids, let's go. This is what mom needs. And we do it. And she immediately will start feeling better because I've, I've been empowered with that education. And I know what that what principle is lacking there. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So let's go. Can we go into what the principles are and, and sure. start to uncover some of the ways that we can strengthen our marriage? Yeah. The first one is to put your marriage first. Mm-hmm. And that might sound like, duh. I think a lot of these might sound like, duh, but it's really critical. Um, is it more important that you get the promotion or you get the marriage? Is it more important that you, you have a relationship with a certain individual or the marriage, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe you have a lifelong friend and it's really hurting the marriage, this lifelong friend, mm-hmm. because he or she's not a good influence or they intervene in the marriage or they gossip or whatever. And so you have to decide what's most important. Is the marriage come first or not? This is a really huge one in our culture because the mindset in our culture at this point is largely, it's much better in religious circles, but the, but the, but the predominant mindset is my spouse is, indispen- is dispensable. Yeah. If they don't do for me what I expect them to do for me, if they're not pliable, if they're not willing to mold themselves to whatever lifestyle I think is a good idea, they're dispensable. I was, we, we went and, and, and visited some family this last weekend and it was really interesting because they, um, they've been through some financial struggles. He had his own business and, and the way that that business functions, 
uh, changed really dramatically over the the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And so his income was cut in half over a year's time. And she had a skill set that she could help, you know, kind of provide while he, and they moved to another state and she wasn't sure how she felt about that. And, and then she worked really hard for a while and now he's back to getting more business. And, and, and it's, it's cool how, I guess the, my predominant thought coming home was people don't give their spouses enough credit for sticking around. Mm. There are plenty of convenient times to walk away. And in, I was just so proud of them and thought that was so admirable that when things got really ugly, they found ways to make it work and to stick by each other. And maybe they fought and maybe it was hard, but just to look at the person, you know, across the table from you and be grateful that they, they're sticking around because you have your stuff. You have, just let's be honest, all of us have our stuff and they don't have to stick around and put up with it. And putting the marriage first recognizes that they don't have to stick around and you're grateful that they are and that you don't think of them as dispensable. You think you value the fact that they wanted to make a lifelong commitment to you and they thought you were worth it and they're sticking around through the hard stuff. And so you're going to do your best to make it the best relationship you can. Yeah. I love that. That I love that um, commitment and that, you know, I think sometimes we forget that we are worthy uh, uh, that, or that somebody else believed that we were worthy and vice versa. That worthiness, you know, it's, it's, I think that that's really crucial to remember that we have our weaknesses. And so sometimes it makes us, makes, you know, for myself, it's like, I don't know why this person still loves me. <laughs> you know? and, and so, but because we have that commitment, you know, it's, it's, it's true. Yeah. And that gratitude. Yeah. That we stick it through. That's, and awesome. that's why, you know, Blaine will have people, he's had people come into his office that are just living together and, and, and he'll say, honestly, the first thing I think you should do is go get married. Mm-hmm. When you're willing to make a social contract with each other, yeah. this relationship will be easier to work through so because you, you'll know the other person plans on sticking around. Do you want to increase the trust? Yes, I do. We'll go get married. Mm-hmm. Trust faster than anything else yeah. in those situations. Yeah. So the, the second principle is ensure individual needs are met. Now these are needs that only a, a person can fulfill for themselves. Okay. okay or fill or right. Yeah. Complete. Yeah. Um, like we talked about exercise and care of physical, we're taking care of our spiritual, our emotional, our mental needs. And only I can do that. I mean, it doesn't matter how much Audrey works out. And how good she eats, it's not going to benefit me at all, except for I get to see what she looks like, right? That's not, <laughs> but as far as my body, it doesn't help me at all, right? When I pray and I meditate and I, and I read uh, the Word of God or whatever that might be in my spiritual life, I'm, I'm right, grateful, right? I have a gratitude journal. I serve others, things like that. That feeds my spirit, but it doesn't do anything for you or anybody else. And no one else can do that. Your spouse can't meet those needs for you. You have to meet. The reason this is so critically important is because we've got people that are going on fumes, right? They're worn out. They're frustrated. Marriage can be really hard, okay? Well, life is hard. Life can be the marriage that's, that's wearing them out. It might just be life, but then it's having an impact on them. It's having an impact yeah. on them because you're at your wit's end, right? And so you say things because you're hungry or you're, 
you you haven't had any fun for months or you're not getting enough rest or whatever it might be, you feel terrible. And so you take it out on the one person you should never take it out on. And so that's why this is such a critical principle. And that's why it's number two. Uh, These actually go in order. You have to go in a certain order for a reason. But number two is to meet those needs. So you're at your best. So as life is hard, as as hard as life is, you can handle it the best possible way. Yeah. And the flip side of this too is making sh- the, one of the reasons why we really I mean, we have it as one of the twelve and we vocalize it and teach it regularly is because it's important that both spouses recognize that the other one has you. You and I need to take responsibility for our own needs, but we also need to be supportive of our spouse's needs. Blaine's had interactions with with couples where. They almost want to deny that their spouse has that legitimate need and that it should involve their cooperation at all. It's important that they both are really recognize how critical this is to the well-being of their spouse and that they're actively, you know, if if they need a $30 pass to the gym, let's try to figure out how we can make that happen if they're more likely to exercise and feel good. You know, you don't want to expend, you know, break the family budget over whatever it might be. But if if your spouse needs a quiet half hour at the end of the day, you know, to process and be grateful and, and wind down and whatever they, you know, you're cooperating as a couple to help the other person get them. I had a well. client that was in a bicycle gang. <laughs> you call them. <laughs> they would get up in the morning and ride 30 miles a day. And she loved it. Her husband needed to support her on that. So mm-hmm. she had that social and that physical needs being met. They were so crucial. There's people that love to hunt or fish. I had a client that, I mean, he is the poster child of hunting, right? I mean, the the hunt's over and he's planning the next one. I mean, uh, now he could carry that too far, right? So there's always common sense involved. But he was great. She would she, she would actually go with him and stuff and support him on those because it's so a huge, it was a huge need for him that kind of hobby, that activity, that fun and and, and uh, recreation. So I love that too because you know sometimes I think people think self care is equivalent to selfishness, but it's not. You have to be able to take that time to take care of yourself and recognize that your spouse needs to take care of themselves. But then also, like you said, not take it so far that you neglect the first principle of putting your 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 spouse, your family, your marriage first. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting that you would say that people think it's selfish because they do, but it's the opposite. Matter of fact, you're selfish if you don't. Yeah. Because then you're not your best, right? Then when you're yeah. kidding for something, you, I mean, it's easy to go, we, we can't get into the victim cycle and everything, but that's going right. to Blaming other people because you're like, look what I've done for you. All right. I do is sacrifice. Which so is, you become the martyr, right? Yes. Then you're like, oh, look what I've done. And you're not setting a good example for your your spouse or your children, if you have children, on, on how they should take care of themselves. Scott Peck taught me something really important um, in one of his books. He said that the opposite of love is not hatred, it's laziness. And it really, oh, I've thought about that countless times, really changed my paradigm. And the first, this program that Blaine uses with his clients, this three steps program, the first part of that program is actually called love yourself. Mm. Because these first few principles that we're going to go through are the steps to truly loving yourself. And it's, you're capable of loving others. So these, these principles are in a certain order, like Blaine was saying. Because this first section, these first few principles are about loving yourself. 
And when you're meeting your needs, you're loving yourself and then more capable to love the people around you. And when you don't, it's laziness. Laziness is anti-love. You're too lazy to eat better. You're too lazy. And, and, and so what? So you're going to wind up with diabetes and die young and leave your spouse alone. You know, it's those kinds of things are lazy and selfish not to take care of yourself. Or, or indifference, right? Isn't indifference like the opposite? It's like, well, then I don't care. Yep. And the hard thing too is that the person that is the indifferent one is actually the one that I've heard before. Like they're the ones that hold the power because the person that cares is the one that's doing all the work. And yeah. then, you know, the person that's indifferent is going, well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's kind of, it's so imbalanced. That's yeah. really, and it's sad. Yeah. And if you can't do it, and this is the case with moms sometimes, if you're struggling to do it for yourself, do it for the people that you love. Mm. Do it because you love your kids. Do it because you love your spouse. But, but we want, but, but as parents, you want your children to thrive. You want them to be healthy and happy. And so we have to model that. Yes. So we better be praying or meditating. We better be exercising. We better be going out and having fun and, and goofing off and, and, and enjoying life, dancing or whatever it is, doing our hobbies uh, so that they can see, look, that's what a healthy individual does. Yeah. Yeah. And what life is, life is good, right? (laughs) Life doesn't have to be always stressful. But you know what? It is better when you do it that way. It's still hard. Life is hard, but it's much better when you've got those needs met. Let's move on. uh, Principle three is regularly forgive and repent. Mm -hmm. Now this, this one's really important because we're human. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, and sometimes, you know, it's interesting when I do a first session with somebody and as we lead up to it, I'll get emails from sometimes from each spouse about, okay, I just want to let you know what's going on, Blaine. <laughs> and all the things that their spouse is doing wrong. And sometimes there's a lot of validity to that, but there's still things that they're doing wrong. And even in the case they weren't doing anything wrong, they still have done things wrong and they still would like to be forgiven or were forgiven, but didn't really deserve it. Do we ever deserve to be forgiven? I don't know. I, I kind of almost don't think we do, uh, but we are and we can be regularly, but in order for us to receive forgiveness, we have to forgive others. If you're Christian at all, you believe that what Christ said that you have to forgive in order to be forgiven. And if you don't, it stumps you, it stops you, it actually damns you and you can't progress. And it creates a lot of bitterness and it creates a lot of uh, miserable people. I've seen some extremely miserable people because they just would hold on to the length. And the reason is because it wasn't fair and it really wasn't fair. It wasn't fair at all. But until they let that go, they can't heal. And they're the ones that are, they're actually punishing themselves because they have the power to forgive and they're not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a component, there's a, on the assessment that you took, Mm -hmm. the number one of all the hundreds, I don't know, several hundred people have taken it. Oh, I've had over Um, 500. Yeah. So the number one broken principle is this one. Interesting. Um, People are holding on to resentments, even in good marriages, even when most of the rest of the of the feedback is is pretty clean and pretty good. They're usually holding on to some resentments against their spouse. And even though those can be legitimate grievances, they have to forgive to clear their heart 
And interestingly enough, that that resentment actually feeds number four, which is addiction, which mm. Blaine will talk about in a, in a second. Resentment is a huge part of what fuels, creates and fuels addiction. Um, and we're becoming a more and more addicted society. And and there's so much we could say about about forgiveness. There's there's incredible books that, that you can read yeah. to tap into the need for that. But yeah. you know, there statistically, fifty uh, percent of women who divorce are still so resentful and angry ten years later that the people around them say they can't lead a normal life. Mm-hmm. So clearly, divorcing doesn't repair resentment issues clearly it's something that you need to do for yourself again it's part of self-care it's part of self-love to care enough about yourself to clear your heart of those grievances and resentments so that you're free to love to love others better the other part of this principle is to repent is to apologize is to man up or woman up i guess you'd say (laughs) it and say i'm sorry i did that i didn't and lots of times you know, people uh, say, well, I didn't mean to do it, so why do I need to apologize? Well, it doesn't matter if you because it hurt them. It hurt that person, and you're still sorry that it hurt them, whether yeah. you intended it or not. Uh, I remember we went to karate class one time, and I kicked Audrey. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I felt terrible. I didn't mean to. And so I just apologized because I didn't want her to be hurt. But that's the key is we do it because we're supposed to, not because – because we, we need it or not to because we won't be healthy and happy and well-adjusted individuals unless yeah. we don't and our marriages will suffer and all our relationships will suffer. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So, uh, principle four safeguard against addiction and abuse. I, I take a really hard line on marriage and uh, I don't know how people feel about it, but I I'm passionate about it and I don't think there's ever a cause for divorce. Mm. And people say, are you serious? What about addiction and abuse? And I'll say, well, I'm a well, re- there are some cases. Well, and an abusive spouse would be one of them. Well, no, because I think they should, I don't think they should stay in an abusive relationship. I think they should get out, but I think they should try to heal the relationship and then re- uh, reconciliate it and all that stuff down the road. That's why I feel so strongly about it. But I think there's such a sacredness about marriage that we make, we make commitments for our life that we're going to stick next to this person and, you know, you know, for good or for bad, for ill or for what all, you know, all those things are. Right. And I think you do. And so if there's abuse and it's, as a recovered addict myself, I'm so grateful that my wife stayed in. Um, and, but but definitely you don't want to stay in a situation where you're getting abused. You, you don't, that's just wrong. You should you need to get out of that. Yeah, and, the hard thing about abuse is usually the abuser doesn't recognize or they aren't willing, or if they do recognize, they might not be willing to change, or the process is just so hard or complicated. That's a, that's a huge you know? topic. Yeah, and I, think what, I think what Blaine is saying is that as a society, we're so lax. If we would begin to think a little more on the other extreme of how can I stay married? And here's the thing. That will go a long way towards the, making efforts, because there are so many efforts that could be made that aren't made. The abuser really is an addict. They're addicted to abuse, to violence, or what, or whatever it might be, or sex, or whatever they, they're, however they're abusing somebody. They're addicted to anger. So one thing I will say along the lines of, especially addiction, and, and it is, it is, it is a good point that abuse is also an addiction. So this, at the end of this month, Blaine's going to give a free workshop on online on addiction because he, it, it started for him as a little boy. We still don't know the source, but as long as he could remember, he had a pornography issue. And so 
eventually led to the tools, recovered, gained sobriety, and for the last few years has been working with addicts and is beginning to do that um, now publicly in and adore your spouse, working with addicts and adore your spouse. Um, it's a really sacred work. It hits really close to, to the soul. Uh, but this particular workshop is just free for anyone that wants to understand addiction better. And I think probably everybody should. And he's going to talk about the triggers and he's going to talk about what, what causes, what causes addiction, what fuels it, how to gain sobriety, how to maintain sobriety and a few little tips for, you know, Mm -hmm. those who love addicts. So, and I remember what I was saying that, that all the addicts are, are addicted, but we got to remember that they're not the enemy as hard as that feels because your spouse is the addict, right? Or the abuser, they're not the enemy. You know, we're Christian. We believe that Satan's the enemy, right? And so uh, now do they have a problem? Absolutely. Do they need to fix it? Absolutely. We're not going to minimize what they're doing, but we could help rescue them. Mm -hmm. We could help heal them. Right. Um, What's that um, Christian bomb lady? Remember, she went to her pastor. Her husband had had a, a multiple affairs and, and, and got pregnant with this, yeah. uh, this lady. Yeah. This, uh, the, the mistresses got pregnant from him while they were married. And she ended up raising that child. No, she didn't. Oh, well, she, she didn't did? raise the child. Okay, she didn't raise the child. I thought she did. Anyway, the pastor said, look, you can leave and you'd be justified in leaving the marriage. But maybe God's called you to help rescue your husband. Mm. So it's... Uh, Anyways, we don't want to beat that one to death, but it is. I wanted to say that I watched watched your video and about your addiction, and I thought it was really awesome that you both were so open about it, that Audrey knew about it, and and that you were able to, you know, it was something you went into knowing you were going to work together on it. And, you know, because so recently I watched this one video, the uh, drummer from Neon Trees, you know, uh, Elaine is her name. Uh-huh. They they had this video for um, porn kills love that uh-huh. had this little video about when they got married. She was they went on the, they went to Las Vegas and they were they were picked you know of course Las Vegas there's billboards of provocative images and things like that and she was just like oh I don't understand how anybody can have those feelings you know and she was expressing these this like abhorrence of 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 addiction to pornography and and kind of like. Uh, brought in this feeling of of shame of a shame culture around it in in their marriage unbeknownst to her her husband had this addiction mm-hmm. and and so um later on when they were able to when that came to light and she realized how toxic you know of an environment she was actually creating for their marriage just because of the the shame language that she'd she perpetuated yeah. and yeah. so just how important it is to recognize you know yeah we all have weaknesses and you know of one degree or another and so we need to have an empathetic type of language and and culture in our homes rather than a shame culture because when you have shame behavior actually can get will just get worse (laughs) Uh, because they aren't willing to be vulnerable enough to open up to you about what's happening what's going on and the struggle that they have so that that was really cool insight yeah exactly what happens and see what happens when you get in the shame you're no longer focused on the person you're focused on the problem you're no longer focused on the solution you're focused on this terrible addiction this terrible situation the key ones and this can be really tough to do but if there was one thing that they could do it would be 
to remember that they are not their behavior. Mm. An addict is not his behavior. And to continue to differentiate in your own mind that there's a lovable human being in your life that you're going to love unconditionally while you still dislike behavior, you know, and there can still be consequences for that behavior, but you but they still deserve love as a, as a person and they aren't their behavior. And that's what, that's why we talk to, especially to, to spouses. And it's so easy to just horribleize your spouse. Right. But it's important as a spouse to be there as their support. Yes. What we signed up for, like it or not. Right? (laughs) And we all have some level of something, you know, whether it's like you're addicted to sleeping in or you're, you know, whatever. It's like, it's a whatever habits that we have that we need to work on changing. Those can, that's that's all part of that process. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Principle five, frequently express love and make sacrifices for your spouse. One of my favorite books, I don't know know if it's favorite, but it's a great book, is The Five Love Languages. And people say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My love language is this. And I'll say, great, what's your spouse's? (laughs) And there's quiet, you know. And they need to to understand. They need to be loved in the way that they they understand it. And if you don't understand the concept of five languages, it's fascinating. You could be speaking Greek and you think you're speaking English, but they don't understand anything you're saying because that's not how they receive love. Mm-hmm. And so to make that conscious, conscientious, that's a hard word for me, uh, uh, <laughs> deliberate effort to do it in the way that they feel love is, you know, Audrey is so wonderful at this because my love language is physical touch. And she just didn't come real natural to her. I mean, she liked to touch and stuff, but it wasn't like every time I get in the car, I, ha- I would reach over and grab her hand. But now she does it a lot. Mm-hmm. And just because she loves me and uh, my first go-to when I get home or whatever is not to clean up the house or do dishes or anything like that. But I do that because I love my wife. So that's part of it. Uh, It's a much bigger principle than that, but it's sacrificing, making what's important to your spouse. There's also husband and wife needs that. But yeah making sure that you love them the way they need to be loved. And I think what yeah. you said, and I misunderstood is, is, is male and female yeah. differences. Well, that's kind of yeah. number six. These kind of overlap a little bit, but we wanted to differentiate each one to make sure that they weren't being missed. So those first four are a lot about self-care. Yeah. A lot about staying, uh, meeting your needs and staying away from bad behavior. And these next three or four are really about, um, there's a lot of education that can happen on these four principles. There's a lot of, there's a lot of angst and anger and frustration and unhappiness in marriages simply through ignorance, mm-hmm. ignorance of gender differences, ignorance of temperament issues, ignorance of needs, um, husband, wife needs, ignorance of love languages. Um, and there's a lot of these. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. There's a lot of education that can go on. Then that's a huge focus at Adore Your Spouse is just helping people know who they are and know who they're married to. Mm. So they can stop giving vent about things that are like you were talking about earlier. They're shaming their spouse over things that are just inherent. They can't change that. That's just how they're wired. And so they've got their spouse has got to let it go and love them for who they are, accept who they are. Sometimes we're really not letting our spouses be who they are. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of things in, in principle six is respect and appreciate your differences. And so 
you know, there was a book written, like, um, it was incredible. The guy was a genius. He made millions of dollars, but it was everything men know about women. Have you ever heard about that book? No. It's a hundred pages long. He uh-huh. sold millions and millions of copy and you open it up and the entire book is blank. <laughs> a genius. He's a genius. Yeah, everybody gave it to their friend for a joke. Yeah. Right. But, but but when men really find out what makes women tick and then they do make those sacrifices and they'll do those things instead of resenting them for it and instead of the wife resenting yeah. the man for because he's a man why that's so wonderful and there's just all kinds of intricate things in here that oh there's like women hear better than men and men are visual so if your husband is raising his voice at you, he may not think he's being loud. He may not be feeling aggressive, but you're seeing it as aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of nuances. You know, there's extrovert and introvert, and there's spatially gifted and there's linguistic and non-linguistic. And so there's, there's really some interplay in, in your personalities. Um, and sometimes you don't even realize it yourself. You don't even realize kind of how, men and women do see differently their brain is wired differently they um and so that's number number six is largely kind of about focus on gender differences there and respecting those differences and then number seven is learning uh there's a lot of different temperaments and personality tests that you can take and what your natural gifts and abilities are and developing their interests and gifts and well audrey was really kind of, I don't know if she ever resented me for it, but it really kind of, it really bothered her that I wasn't a planner. Mm. And then when we, when we finally figured out that there's such thing as spontaneous people and other people that are, that that legitimately wired that way, when she realized, Oh, you're not just being a jerk. You just really (laughs) don't ever think about planning. And I was like, no, I never do. I told you that. (laughs) She didn't believe me. But once she understands that, because I'm so hardwired to plan every moment, mm-hmm. yeah. and she has plans A, B, C, and D all the time, and yep. so I become a better plan. She's actually made me a better person, and I made her a better person because we're able to give and take on those things. And that's really the richness that comes from living these next few principles. If people will 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 do some put in some effort to learn about themselves and about their spouse, and to to learn to respect who they are, and to respect their differences, and to recognize that they're better for who their spouse is and that the marriage, the relationship, it's a whole, it's, it's kind of an entity outside the two of you, the two of you together create this new, um, the kind of this new being that has the strengths of both of you to bring to whatever your, whatever your endeavor is, is it's really empowering. And I think too, it's interesting if you learn what, you know, what each other's strengths and weaknesses are like, I wonder if part of the reason why you didn't like to plan things is because you knew Audrey would but it's like because sometimes I think I fall into that trap too where I'm like well I don't know that I need to do this and that because I know my husband will do it (laughs) and but knowing that at least you know I could learn like okay but maybe I can come and try and meet him in the middle and find a way to to lighten that burden of him always doing what you know what I've kind of like become dependent on him for but uh you know, get, lend some support a little bit yeah. more. Principle nine is engage in kind and, uh, oh, sorry. Principle eight is build and preserve complete trust. So we don't want to skip over that. It's a very important principle. Well, in these three trust communication and boundaries 
are possible only after there's better understanding. Mm. Uh, sometimes, sometimes uh, women, well, women struggle the most with boundaries and they'll try to put boundaries in place on stuff that, that is hardwired in their spouse because they haven't made the differentiation between this is who he is and this is how he's wired and he's always going to hunt and I'm going to accept that mm. or this is bad behavior this is wrong. It's destructive to him. It's destructive to me. And there needs to be a boundary in place or, you know, the tools for rebuilding trust. There are some components to trust that, that Blaine teaches. There's three aspects of trust that help you build trust, but learning to communicate better. Your communication changes when you understand each other better. The boundaries are healthier. Yeah. It's easier to rebuild trust. And the trust, the trust is, you know, I remember one guy, and I was working with a couple and he kept breaking the trust. And he's like, I just was we just one time Blaine. What's the big deal? I feel like I've gone from 10 down to zero and she doesn't trust me at all. I said, dude, you were never at 10. Well, you were when you got married, but you've been at like one or two for years. Mm-hmm. So you'll just start, you'll, you'll be consistent in your behavior and in, in whatever the thing it was. Right. And then that trust goes up a tiny bit and then you break it. And you're back at zero and you think you're at 10. You never, you're clear down. You build 10 all over time, yeah. be consistent and keep showing. And then when it's built to 10, if you do breach, depending how long it's been, right, it might knock you down to seven or eight or whatever. If it does it again, it'll drop plummet a lot faster, right? right. But it's, it's easier to forgive when there's trust there, right? Yeah. If, you, if you don't have the trust in place, then no yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. So trust is, is, is paramount and it, there's great ways to build trust and, um, and there's different kinds of ways that we trust people with, with competency or with integrity and things like that, that, that we teach as well. Okay. Any, any questions on that or should we keep rolling? I like, no, I love what you're saying. I think that it, it, it goes back to, again, that you say, start with your working on yourself first. Because yeah. if you don't have your integrity in place, you don't have on If you're not honest, yeah. then yeah. there's no way that the other person can trust you. You've yeah. got to start with yourself and your own principles. Yeah, your own discipline and ability to take responsibility and stay out of trauma. And yeah, I ask, I ask clients all the time, have you ever, either one of you, hurt your spouse? And almost always they say no. I was like, okay, so let's not get so offended if they do something because they're not deliberately trying to hurt us. Mm-hmm. Now, I've had some clients to say, yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> we got, we got, we got some serious problems in here. <laughs> we got to go way back and we got to fix our integrity and who we yeah. are. So anyways, uh, engaging kind and effective communication. Communication, communication, communication. That's about the the primary, only, sole, incredible, uh, lovely marital, marital problem, right? Is that we got to communicate. It's not true. As you can see, we've already gone over eight principles. And we have mm-hmm. three more to go. But it is a principle. And so we don't want to negate it. I have a tendency to almost want to, neg- you know, not spend time because everyone else spends some time. But in a nutshell, I would say we have to let our spouse know that we've heard them. Everybody wants to be heard. And when they feel heard, they feel understood. It's just a relief that someone actually, they're okay. You know what I mean? Someone knows me. Someone understands what I'm going through. It brings so much satisfaction Mm -hmm. that someone knows what you're going through. 
And the way you do that is you reflect and you look at their body language, right? And you're trying to mirror them and you're trying to let them know that you're actively engaged. And then you repeat back, not in a parodying way, but in a way to get that right. Is that what you're feeling? Yes, that's it. You got it, right? And it just feels wonderful to the person, especially for women. Right, because that's one of those things they say, like, at least my dad, he would always try to fix everything. And my mom would go, no, I just need you to be my sounding board. You know, but that's a male and female thing. When you understand it, it's easier not to take offense for women to say, he's trying to fix it because he's a man. That's his go-to. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's good for him to understand I'm a man. That's my go-to. I was talking to a woman the other day and she was saying that for, that she's a really dominant personality and so is her spouse. And they both really like to be right. And they would just go the rounds over and over and over again for years and years and years. And she finally kind of started to get this. And one day he was just going at it and, and this voice in her head just said, shut up, just shut up. Mm-hmm. And, and she, she did it. And she said it took, I don't know, maybe an hour. She really said nothing. And by the time he was done, he had expressed empathy for her. He had looked at both sides of the problem and he had come right to the conclusion she wanted him to come to in the first place. (laughs) And she uses that all the time now. And it's just been a a marriage saver for them that she said, this is quiet and lets him do whatever talking he needs to do. So I read this book, Love and Respect, and that one's about marriage. And, you know, when it comes down to communication, there are different ways that we can show love versus respect in in our conversations mm-hmm. based on what those needs are you know it's like maybe maybe her husband just needed to be able to sound it out because that made him feel like she respected him yeah. and then it came back around to him showing his love and compassion for her yeah. and so that that was really interesting that's an interesting example for that yeah and when I, I read this, uh, another book, and Oliver and Rachel DeMille, uh-huh. so they had a little excerpt in their book. They said, we can't fix our spouses. The solution to them was that we work on ourselves and then we pray for our spouse. Mm-hmm. And, and so I thought that was kind of interesting. And I, and I think it relates to this communication thing because it's like, sometimes it's good. It, it's always good to communicate. But I think sometimes if we want to communicate too much blame or accusations or is that sometimes some things can wait until you've prayed about it <laughs> yeah and and i think the other part of, of kind of what you're saying jody too is communication isn't just about words and language yeah our bodies and our actions communicate often more oh yeah than our words do and so we're always letting our spouse know like you were talking about how much we respect them how much we enjoy their company how much we're willing to listen and learn from them just in the way that we live our lives. And so learning to communicate well, actually, and this is why it's also a later principle in the list is because some communication, some body language, some behavior will change naturally as we change, Mm -hmm. as we take care of ourselves and engage in self-care. And as we better understand ourselves and our spouses, our communication will get better as an outgrowth of our changed paradigm. Okay, number 10, maintain healthy boundaries. Um, now, this is, the, this is the principle that most women when I start working with want to go right to, skip over the first nine, and they want to maintain healthy boundaries yes. because their husband's running all over them. Yes. <laughs> if you haven't taken care of yourself, if you're meeting your needs, if, you're, if you don't understand differences and things like that, you won't understand what, it, what should be a boundary, right? Mm-hmm. Because maybe that's just how they're wired, right? Maybe they're just extroverted and they have to be around other people. And you can't change that. Just like if 
you're introverted, you can't change that, right? You can get to know people more and be, but still, when you want to rejuvenate, you want to be alone. When they rejuvenate, they want to be with others, okay? Mm, okay. So you've got to understand those differences, but if you haven't taken care of yourself and done all those different things, then you won't have the strength to enforce a boundary. Lane's tried it. Oh, You've yeah. tried it with clients. I did. They're desperate to they, work on boundaries. So he dives right onto boundaries and he tries to do it with them and their needs aren't met and they're weak. They're used to getting in. They have habits of behavior. They don't have the self-discipline required. They don't have the self-confidence required and they don't have the love and they don't have the self-confidence and they don't have the self-discipline to actually do this correctly. So in the end, either it completely fails and they feel like a failure and they start blaming Blaine that he's not a good therapist or they give up. Yeah. And one of the classic things is to find a way to get out of the marriage. So have an affair or something like that because they're so weak, they can't get out in a healthy way and they can't take care of their needs. So there's a lot of work that has to be done if someone's really kind of getting run over or allowing themselves to to be so that way. Um, But it is a very important principle. But it's again, it's at this level, it's in this, in the, this far down the list because those other things have to be understood and incorporated in order for you to do that really well. Well, and there's a spectrum too. There's the codependent mm-hmm. who is kind of the women we're talking about who really have no choice but to work on themselves because they're just codependent. And then there's other people who, as they get to this point in their progression in their marriage, you know, men need to realize when they are quick to anger mm-hmm. and they could talk more gently and kindly and to put their own boundaries in place. So, okay. so there is a spectrum of boundaries being broken and we can all kind of get better at that. And it's really, the boundaries has two sides to it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and generally men have a tendency to, uh, to exceed boundaries, right? And women have a tendency not to enforce, enforce a boundary. So the, mm-hmm. they're both guilty lots of times of breaking one, one side or the other of the boundary. Interesting. And when Blaine works with people on boundaries, he uses natural consequences, which is just beautiful. And he helps people gain the skill of looking at the natural consequence of a bad behavior. He helps them identify the bad behavior, come up with the natural consequences, and so much, so much easier to execute that way. And it's, and it's easy to see in an extreme example, like, are you kidding me? Like, I was working with a client who was addicted to heroin, and um, his mom would help fund it. Because when he he was already going through withdrawals, and she didn't want to see him in that kind of because she was a codependent. Because she was a codependent, and and he would use manipulation. We talked about it, and yeah, I manipulate her. I get really angry, and I threaten to hurt myself. So she would give me money so I could be. So the the whole relationship was very bad. But you're like, really? She did what? Are you kidding? Right. Healthier situation. It's a little bit harder to see, but if you can take those natural consequences, right? And that's what's so great about how God runs the world. He lets natural consequences happen all the time. You, you know, you don't take care of yourself physically. You don't, you don't take care of yourself financially. What's going to happen? You quit working. What's going to happen, right? And those consequences will come and they'll come. And they're, they're not very merciful. They're pretty hard, right? Mm-hmm. And it, which is good because it can help people grow up and the lights can come on and they can say, okay, I'm going to make a change. A lighter example of that in a healthier couple would be that a husband earns a good living but gives his wife such a small stipend she feels stressed about income all the time. Mm-hmm. She feels like she can't spend a penny without him kind of being upset with her. Nobody's ready to leave the marriage, 
but there's definitely an issue where some things prior to what we're talking about need to be discussed. Some of these last principles need to be discussed and some good, you know, mm-hmm. some good boundaries need to be. In yeah. Place I just had a client that way. It was an excellent. And, and he had to think, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm micromanaging. I'm controlling you with the finances, even that we have plenty of money. And what she wanted wasn't outrageous at all. It was very, with reasonable. the number of kids they had, it was very reasonable and appropriate. Principle 11, clarify roles and fulfill responsibilities. Um, this, ironically, can be, it's just amazing. It sounds like it's so clear cut. Everyone knows what everyone's doing, right? That's often I find not the truth. Yeah. And they don't know who's really in charge of what. And sometimes the one will demand that the other be in charge of something. And then they micromanage them on it the whole time. And so, <laughs> so they should really just do it. Yeah. <laughs> If, if you're going to give the responsibility or someone's going to take out a responsibility, the other one shouldn't be telling them how to do every step of the way, especially men. It drives us crazy. <laughs> like We're competent. We can do it, right? And then until we prove that we're not. Yeah, these last two are really the icing on the cake, creating unity in all areas of the marriage. These are really the pinnacle of a really happy and successful marriage, really having a lot of order and clarity to who's doing the taxes and who does homework with the kids and who does the grocery shopping so that things are run in a really yeah. nice, clean, and, and there's a lot of arguments and struggle and contention that are avoided with that, but it takes too much to understand each other, have a good level of trust to, mm-hmm. to sit down can, and have the discipline and to, they can communicate. to reach this level of, you they, know, in their marriage. They can communicate. And this one thing I didn't say about communication, so often men just blow up hmm. and get mad. And, and, it, and it shuts down the communication, but they've got to be able to communicate effectively in order to get these responsibilities and make sure all the roles and, and, and things are taken care of. Yeah, I think that's really super important, too, because I think sometimes, well, more and more traditional roles are kind of like becoming blurry. But it, there are, you know, there are still it still needs to be a conversation about and probably even more so because traditional roles yeah. are kind of getting blurred. <laughs> you know, they're telling you what it's supposed to look like. You have to make it up as you go. Yeah. If, yeah. If the, wife, if the wife likes to make sure that the, the, the cars are lubed or does it herself. Great. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that, but let's all make sure that we all, they're not fighting over it. And, about it. and they're, each other. they're clear when, who's going to do it or yeah, if you want to do that, that's fine or whatever, but it makes sure that it gets done. And there's not arguments over it. And then the 12th is to create unity in all areas of the marriage. Audrey kind of mentioned that, but it's really just unifying. And where do you find, how do you, how do you unite in certain, in all different areas of life? How do you unite? If you're, you're struggling with parenting, how do you unite? If you're struggling with health, how do you unite? If you're struggling with finances, how do you unite? And the best sort of answer we have found by far is to find the principles. And values. Values too, because the values is what we, you know, we prefer what we like, what we value. She may not value what I value and you understand the values and then you understand the principles and it's very easy to unite. And part of that is creating a, 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 a mission statement mm-hmm. and, and lifelong goals and, you know, 10 year goals or whatever Looking together picture. and, and creating the life of, you want. Kind of goes together. back to what you were talking about, Jody, with the culture. This is where you can really start to build a cohesive family culture yeah. and, and, and infuse that into your children for future generations and, and kind of decide this is who we are and this is what we're about. And this is what we mm-hmm. value. And this is how we're going to, but, but like Blaine said, principles, 
bring a lot of clarity and a lot of, he uses it a lot in therapy with couples. He'll say, you know, they'll be talking about some particular subject or sore spot and they'll both express their opinion about what ought to be done. And he'll say, well, unfortunately you're both wrong because neither of you are in line with the principle and here's the principle. So the principle's right. Neither of you are right. So you both get to kind of bow and be obedient to whatever the higher truth, the truth is that's higher than both of you. Mm. Um, And that it it, it helps couples to make some of the, Oh yeah. He's right. She's right. Kind of issue out of the conversation and just say, well, we just need to live this principle. So how do we want to do that? And so you kind of let go of what you're, you were holding on to and go, no, we're going to come together on with this. Not, not, I'm not right. You're not right. Yeah. I like that a lot. And, and I think I love all these principles too. And, and the fact that when you have a vision, when you want to be unified, all of these things, you really need to be intentional. You can't, you can't just expect that, oh, we're married now. And so life is going to be hunky dory and happy and, and all good. When you, when, when people go into marriage expecting that, great, it's smooth sailing from here they're going to be up for a rude awakening because it takes all of those living, all those principles intentionally and consciously, like you were saying to have a happy marriage and a healthy family culture. So, yeah. And some people have great marriages and they just, they just have them. Right. And you're like, they're so lucky, but it comes natural to them. And I've studied principles. I've realized it's, it seems like in, in certain areas of our lives, there's something that will come very naturally to us. And other things that won't, you know, you see a lot of businessmen, right? And and the classic is that they, they're incredible business and they're terrible with relationships. Mm-hmm. And, but you can, you can really, these principles will really bridge that gap and you can become great in these different areas as well. Yeah. And even if it's really, really, you know, just like a naturally good marriage, the principles, learning them and studying them can make your marriage even better than what it was. And the truth is, at the end of the day, these are just relationship principles. Mm-hmm. These apply to virtually any relationship we have. Harvard has had the longest running study in the history of mankind. It's been going on for like 80 or 90 years. They started with a group of, of individuals and they've been studying their lives, interviewing them, doing tests on them, you know, regularly their entire lives. And this 80 year study when it was all said and done, they, they, what they, the conclusion that they came to was that the people that are the happiest have only one thing in common, and that is the quality of their relationships. That the quality of their personal relationships, the depth of those, and how, um, how they felt supported and had people around them that would be there for them all their lives made the biggest difference in their level of happiness. So even from a self-interested standpoint, don't get divorced. Don't give up on your marriage and don't give up on your spouse because you should trust yourself that you, you picked better than you think you shouldn't. You should honestly, most people picked better than they think they did. And it's only because of the dynamics and the interaction between the two of you and the angst and the resentments that have gone on that it's wearing out your patience and making you think it's not salvageable, but it often is. And ma- and spouses will usually rise to the level uh, you start taking responsibility for it. And, and in your own self-interest, make that marriage work. It, you will benefit your, 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 your spouse will benefit your children. Future generations will benefit and greater happiness is going to be the result. And when you start living the principles, your spouse notices they, there's no way they can't. Oh, Blaine has cool stories. And about they that. just don't, I mean, they'll go to the ends of the earth because 
there's a, there's an attraction, right? Cause you're becoming a healthier you mm-hmm. and you're treating your spouse different. And that spouse is recognizing how they're being treated different and, and they, they want to give back invested. and they get more invested And in how can they, and they say, what can I do? And they start learning the principles. There's plenty of people that, that I've worked with where it was just one person I was working with and it impacted the marriage. Cause it can, one person can make a huge impact in their marriage. I love that. That's awesome. Like there's this a talk that I just recently fell in love with by Elder Holland. He gave this talk at BYU-Idaho called Living After the Manner of Happiness. Beginning, we talk, he talks about this line. He says that happiness is like a butterfly, that if you chase it, it will elude you. But when you do other things and you distract yourself, then it comes and sits softly on your shoulder. And I think that, that what you just said talks about that principle is that when you are like chasing after happiness or marital bliss or whatever it is, you're not thinking about yourself or the different things that you could be doing. But then when you start thinking and focusing, working on yourself, doing those things, then, then things like fall into place. I think James Allen says the same thing about success that you can't. Yeah. Success. Frankel. Is it Frankel? That success ensues. You can't get success, but you could do these things. And you, can you can lose feel successful. You can lose yourself in a cause greater than yourself. And your marriage is a cause greater than yourself. You can lose yourself in becoming the best spouse that you can be. And you'll find that happiness will find you. I love that. Awesome. Thank you so much, Blaine and Audrey. This has been really awesome. So you can find Blaine and Audrey at adoreyourspouse.com. Yeah. Right? And there's lots of wonderful free resources on their website. So on the 30th, it's going to be 7 Mountain Standard Time, 6 Pacific Standard Time. It's a workshop called Understanding and Overcoming Any Addiction. Mm-hmm. And it will be uh, via the internet in a video format. You can watch Blaine. Blaine will present that. And there's a link on the under events workshops to that. And it's just free. Get on and watch it and ask whatever questions you have. And then for those on the email list, we'll send out a recording of it after the fact. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome. So many amazing gems on this episode. Thank you so much, Blaine and Audrey. I know that their class that's happening on the 30th is going to be amazing. So if you're listening to this episode on the day that it was posted on January 30th, go to adoreyourspouse.com and get get registered in that class because it's going to be amazing. You can also go check out my show notes at homeandfamilyculture.com. And whatever app you're listening to this on, please go to the app, click share, and send this out to somebody who may benefit from this episode, or maybe somebody who knows nothing about podcasts, and let them know that it's super easy and it's free to listen to these podcasts. So click share send it via email or Facebook or Twitter or whatever other social media platform that you'd like and just share and comment and rate and really appreciate it. And thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. And thank you so much for adoring your spouses and taking the time to learn about ways that we can enrich our marriages and strengthen our family culture. 